The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me this evening as co-host, as usual, we're speaking with Rick. And we're live. We How's it going, dude? Good, good. What a awesome. great weekend for Port Adelaide. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was uh, not very good at all, was it? No, it was pretty shit house, really. But um, anyway, yeah. that's all right. It happens. It does. I mean, what? It could be worse. Couldn't it? Oh. Yeah, look, it can always be worse. Can't it? It can always be worse. So we should be thankful that uh, that we only lost by ten goals because it looked like it was going to be a lot more than that for a while there. But uh, let's get on with it. Um, we don't actually have a guest this evening, um, so we want to hear from you out there. What went wrong? How do we fix it? So send through your messages on Spreaker, um, and if you want to ring up, uh, we'd be happy to take your call as well. So straight into it. Your love and hate. Uh, one thing we loved. One thing we hated about Port Adelaide this week, Rick. What is your love? Uh, what is my love? Is there much to love this weekend? I, um, I Well, I've gone with I love the unpredictability of the first two rounds. I mean, there's been some massive random results, hasn't there? And, uh, yeah, and ours is one of them, and I was startled. But I guess it's, it's kept me on the, uh, on the edge of the seat in a way. With the uh, with the AFL in general, and that's quite exciting. There was almost that interesting paradox where we could have had all the losers from last week uh, win this week. That would have been really cool. That would have been good. That would have been interesting. I think round one probably went to plan. I think round two was uh, pretty much the round of the upsets. It was quite a few different uh, sort of results there, some unexpected results. But I guess we'll talk about them a bit later on as well. Um, yeah, good round of footy. What was yours? My love. Look, honestly, there's nothing really to love this week. I thought it was pretty disastrous, to be honest. So I love the fact that we won't be the first team to lose to Essendon this year. That's that's all I have. And look, a massive thank you to the Melbourne Football Club. Thank you, Paul Ruiz, for uh, doing what you normally do and uh, being pretty disappointing. Because uh, yeah. it saves us from the, uh, from the, the disaster that was waiting to happen, really. Did you did you watch it in between our disaster or did you were you solely focused? I flicked it over at three quarter time to have a look at the the score. Um, I was pretty interested. I taped the game and watched it um, uh, after the match. Um, considering I'm doing the preview this week, so I thought I'd better uh, have a look and see how Essendon played. And uh, you know what, they played pretty well. Mm. Awesome. Mm. We must be pulling out. Loves from random if we can't even find a Port Adelaide love. I guess I guess I'm going to spoil your thunder. I guess we could have probably spoken about the the Chinese thing as a love, but I guess we'll mention that shortly anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about your hate this week? Uh, well, there's there's plenty, isn't there? Um, geez, I just had one that popped in and out. I guess, uh, but I did have the I did say originally. Um, I hated the midfield competitiveness almost as much as 
having to watch the friggin' replay um, for this show, so I tried to do some due diligence. But um, yeah, it was awful. Really, our midfield. It was just really, really, and they're a lot better than that as a collective group. And I guess that's why, as supporters, um, we're frustrated because we know they can do a lot better and there's a lot of talent in there and it's very, very confusing. Very true, very true. Mine is the same. Mine is the lack of competitiveness in the midfield for the second week in a row. It was just disastrous. Is it the setups? Is it the coaching? Is it the players? Is it the mindset? What's going wrong? You know, I think it's a bit of everything, really. And look, I think on this podcast, we're generally pretty fair and try not to have a indecent crack at the players. I love everyone that plays for Port Adelaide, but I'm going to tell it how it is. That was as weak and as gutless an effort from our midfielders I've ever seen, to be honest. And to see guys like Boak and Wines refusing to put their head over the bowl um, and allow Crow players uh, just to hunt the ball and create the play just isn't acceptable. And yeah, it wasn't just them. Ebert was the same. Sam Gray was the same. Archie was the same. It started at the top and it worked its way down. Our midfield's nowhere near uh, where we as supporters think it is, uh, and nor probably where the coaches think it is either. And you know, they, I think they all need a, a pretty good hard look at them at themselves and, and what they're doing and why it's going wrong. Are they maybe being coached to be out of position? Um, I heard Rucci on his Sunday roast. Um, basically intimate, you know, how can you blame the coaches? The players are the ones that have to get the hard ball off the ground. But at the same time, the game is so overcoached now and so regulated by the coaches. Are the players being instructed to be out of position? Are our our structures out of whack? I don't think they're instructed to be out of position because I don't think that... I don't no, no, but I mean that. But no, I, but I mean, I, I certainly think that our structures have not worked so far this year, and yeah, that's what it I just mean. seems that wherever the ball goes, we're not there. And to make I, matters worse, there, there's a lot of times where um, there was probably six or seven occasions on the weekend where there were one or two crow players on their hands and knees getting the ball, dishing it out. And you would have two or three port players there, stagnant, standing over them, just sort of waiting for something to happen. Not tackling, not moving, not predicting where the ball's going to go, just standing dead still. And I think that's a big problem. I think we are too stagnant in the midfield. And I think that's why um, you've seen St Kilda and Adelaide in the last two weeks take a a lot of clean clearances away from the midfield um, stoppages. I don't think it's good enough. We all know that um, the players can perform better in that regard. Um, and to make matters worse, I don't think they're running anywhere near hard enough. And that's um, that's uh, an entirely separate issue, but certainly just as big. Are they... But I guess just to go back, what I meant was the coaches aren't telling them on purpose uh, to stand out of position, but maybe their instructions of where to stand aren't very good. Uh, yeah. But I think you're right. And I mean, a, a big highlight to me was um, Tumpus not hitting... Carlisle in that second quarter, um, which led to Tex running into an open goal. But Carlisle at the same time was pretty much flat-footed and, you know, the ball, yeah, it was a crappy handball, but Carlisle, if, you know, if he made a bit more of an effort, probably could have got there, uh, at least sort of impacted the ball in some capacity, but just sort of, oh, it didn't hit me, oh, bad luck, and, uh, and wasn't even running in a forward direction. And I guess that's, uh, that's a real concern. Is there maybe an issue over our um, fitness? Well, I did mention that in, I think, the review. I 
did make just a quick comment of is our fitness good enough? Do we give Burjo too much of a free pass? Um, because you never really hear too much of a bad word about our fitness. Uh, I think a lot of people were are still under the conclusion that we have this uh, uh, you know, better fitness level than every other team in the AFL, and I just don't think that's true at all. I think every other team caught up two years ago, um, mm. and we're pretty much on a par. And I think without that sort of fitness advantage, I think our lack of skills is really coming to the fore. Well, I can't remember which media expert it was, but one was it Jason Akamanis who came out and said that he reckons Port will be fried. They were overtrained a couple of years ago. He did. I don't think he yeah. was right then, but... Um, no, he no, said that I mean, this year. Oh, this year? Oh. Yeah, he came, he came out this year and said that Port have been overtrained and they'll be fried. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if we're fried. I just don't think... I mean, maybe it's just mindset. I mean, I think we would have done due diligence in the preseason, and, and we are as fit as we could be. Um, I just don't think... I think it's all mindset. I, I think maybe the players are getting a little bit confused. I think um, maybe they're just not right in the head a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, There's probably about 15 things wrong at the moment, so it's hard to really pin, pinpoint um, what is going on out there. And I've got to say, we've had a few comments already. We did call for some comments. Um, we've had a few people sort of call up. Um, awesome. Already. Porsche has said that everybody lost their houses this week, so so you both got your tips wrong. Yes. So that's bad luck. Um, Dallas Rogers has uh, written in and said, for the last two seasons, we've been second to the ball too often. Blokes like uh, Ollie, Boak, Hammer and Ebert need to stand up. Uh, Ryan Pilar has, uh, has written in and said, uh, I believe our game plan relies very heavily on our midfield disposable efficiency running at a premium. Otherwise, the structures don't just break down. We look uh, second rate. Mm. Um, and also, Nick Eldridge has written in and said that uh, Tumpus was handballing to where Carlisle should have been. Yeah. So Carlisle was flat-footed. But... Um... Good comments, all of them. I, I could have lost my house, but no one wanted to take the bets. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so I was very lucky. Yeah. So moving on, I guess, from our love and hate. Oh, what? Yeah, you said you hate. That's right. What was yep. your uh, WTF moment this week? What the hell? It was, uh, well, it was a good what the hell. It was Shane Mumford's hit on Jordan Murdoch because so I saw the replay of that, and that was one of the biggest hits I reckon I've seen in modern football in a long time. Like a legitimate, fair hit. Probably chappy, um, choppy on Biglands would probably be the one that I can remember the most. But I saw the replay of that and I, I was like, wow, that was a, he was a big tackle bag. <laughs> that yeah, that, that was hurt. a huge hit. That was a massive hit. That, and it was the, fair. the biggest hit, yeah. It's probably the biggest hit I've seen since Sanderlands took out Phil Davis. Um Going back, went back when Phil Davis was a crow, so probably about five years ago now, I think. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was pretty big. Um, my what the hell moment uh, for the weekend, it's just got to be Richmond, doesn't it? I mean, good old <laughs> Richmond. No matter how bad you go, you can always rely on them to make you feel a bit better. Um, it shouldn't really have come as a surprise. As they seem to lose the unlosable on a regular basis, but I really thought they had that game sewn up with three minutes left. Collingwood didn't really look like they were doing anything. Um, and Richmond just sort of shut up shop and just made continuous poor decisions. And then they lost with the last kick of the day. I mean, it's just truly horrid defending and decision-making. How, how you can let the biggest guy on the ground crumb a goal with four seconds left. I mean, what the hell are you doing, Richmond? Come on. 
What's going on? <laughs> They're doing what Richmond do. Very true. Very true. Yes. So, look, let's uh, talk about the review. And I guess it started off bad and uh, ended up worse for Port Adelaide in round two. We lost by 58 points uh, against a pretty determined Crows lineup. 11 goals, 20 to 22 goals, 12. Uh, Aaron Young, uh, the late inclusion, he kicked four goals, uh, whilst Ollie Wines and Travis Boat kicked two each as well. Uh, the Crows led by 10 goals 10 minutes into the second quarter. And for much of the second half, uh, I guess the, the margin really threatened to push uh, towards the three figures, uh, but we did win the last quarter to get um, the most minuscule bit of um, uh, hope back, I guess, mm. uh, for the, the coming weeks. Well, let's go back uh, a little bit before the game itself to Friday. Uh, the landscape did change a little bit on Friday with both Jay Schultz and Hamish Hartler dropping out of the side. And I know you were pretty confident in the preview on Thursday, Rick, but um, did that take a bit of a hit uh, when those two dropped out? Oh, not really. Because I, I, I still thought that our midfield was a lot stronger than theirs. And um, shame on me, I guess, because I thought we, our midfield could compensate the loss of those uh, two players. But And I don't think if those two players were in the side, the result would have been much different anyway, to be honest, Macca. Do you? I don't think it would have been any different because I think it was, um, yeah, it was destined to fail from the beginning, I think. But... Um, it went from me thinking, I think we're a 50-50 chance here, to me thinking, no, I, I really don't think we're going to get out. I think Jay Schultz is is um, really crucial to our lineup this year. Um, mm. And with the talk that he might be out for some time, I think uh, that's pretty bad. Um, also, Hamish Hartlett dropping out, I mean, he's just a crucial player as well. We, we know how good he is, and he always seems to deliver in showdowns as well. So losing him was, um, was probably not uh, in the planning. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really think we had much chance of winning from the get-go. I thought we gave the Crows too much ammunition during the week. Uh, we had, I think Jonas made some pretty smart-ass comment about running through a few players. And then Ollie Wines came out and said how much he hated the Crows. And then there was the Phil Walsh medal thing. I just don't think we should be giving our biggest rival that sort of ammunition Leading up to the game, I mean, it was just, for me it was reminiscent of going back to the Choco Ayres clashes of the early noughties where Gary Ayres and his uh, his crowbots uh, just used to make stupid comment after stupid comment, and, and you just think, well, that's just going to eat into our hands. And we'd we'd have Nigel Smart coming out and saying he's going to smash heads, and then you'd have Bickley get suspended for six weeks for breaking Wakeland's face, and. All these stupid things happened that, that really spurred us on, and I think that we probably did the, the exact same thing this week. Yeah. I, I don't think it was that bad, really, was it? I mean, there was no... I don't but think does, we were... Does Ollie Wines really need to come out and say, this is the moment where I can pinpoint where I hate the Crows and hate their supporters, and you know, I was scared to sit amongst their supporters when I was sitting in the crowd for a showdown. Why do you need to come out and say that? What's the point of that? Well, I guess he was being asked about the rivalry and wanted his, they wanted his honest opinion, I guess. Um, you know, Ken Hinckley came out on radio and said that he doesn't want his players to be in a position that they have to lie in relation to selection. So maybe he just wants his players to be honest. Um, True. You know, so he was being, what's wrong with saying that he was in a, a pretty heated and hospitable atmosphere? I, don't I guess that's fair. I think for me it was more, I think Janus is correct, where the Crows sort of manipulated the naming of the medal to work in their yeah. favour. And I think it probably did. 
I think that probably spurred them on that little bit extra. So have you got this in your notes to talk about afterwards? Because if it is, I won't say anything more. But talking about Jay Schultz's back and, and how it was leaked to, to the media? I haven't, no. But, so because, we can talk about that now if you like. Because I, I, I know our mate Finbar on uh, Big Footy wasn't happy and uh, a few people have already intimated that, you know, with Kane and, and potentially Chad back, uh, the rumours and innuendo uh, going to be um, flying around again and there was always that aspersion that those boys were at the height of it, you know, when they were playing together. Um, I'm not... I don't think... I think it's a bit of an insult probably to Chad because um, you'd think as the senior coach of the second side that he'd be pretty lock and key with his information and um, so I'd hope that he's not actually saying stuff but you know Kane's obviously still going to have a direct and close relationship with the playing group uh, so stuff could potentially come out there but do you think Kane was a little bit out of order? Is he trying to put himself first over his former club? It's possible. I mean, he is part of the media and they're supposed to make comments. I think it was maybe a little bit flippant as opposed to anything too drastically wrong. Um, and look, I mean, it's... In the end, if Schultz isn't out for, for you know, three months and he it isn't career-threatening, then it's uh, then it's certainly a great thing for us. But um, maybe a little bit flippant by Kane and, you know, maybe... I don't know, maybe this is a bit of a learning curve for him and how things can sort of start... Uh, Rumours can start where uh, where they probably shouldn't. Yeah. So do you think he should have said it? Probably not. I mean, he probably could have worded it a bit better and maybe just said, oh, there's the possibility that Schultz is out for a long time as opposed to saying, oh, this is probably career over for him. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit disappointed, um, but... That's just the media. I mean, that's how the media operates, doesn't it? And that's why us at Port Fan Radio are so good because we don't entertain that sort of gossip stuff. We just hit with the facts of our observations, the hard facts. And it's got nothing to do with the fact that we just don't get gossip. But, uh, you know, but it's the hard facts. But, yes, I wasn't a big fan either. I'm not not sure if I'm going to be quite as dramatic as some and and really uh, put the heat on, but... I would be hoping that, you know, maybe Jay would say, hey, you know, pull your head in, Kane, and, uh, yeah. yeah, and we go from there. Well, I think Kane and Jay are pretty close mates, so I don't know if he's... Uh, I'm sure he'll have a bit of a word to him and say that, um, you know, just pull your head in a little bit next time. But I think in the case of if it was career-threatening and Jay Schultz has had to retire over it, if Kane... Like, he deserves to do that on his own terms, not with Kane sort of coming out with a, a bit of a flippant mark, so... Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right, so, what went wrong? Well, I think we need to probably go into, before we discuss maybe some players, I guess the most controversial aspect of the game is our new press slash zone that we were implementing. I mean, if you compare the two sides... You'd think that the pros have been coached by the same guy for um, you know the last five years because their their defense was bloody fantastic and they were just hemming us in the whole game and uh, and as far as I can see and I'm no expert otherwise you and me would or I'd be paid to be coaching but um, I uh, I just think our zone is 
pressed way too far in advance and um, we're spread out so far that it's leaving massive holes in our zonal defence and therefore what's happening is, and it's the same as what I said last week, which we didn't stop from St Kilda, um, it's allowing that short kick into that entry section of the zone. There's still no pressure being applied on that marker, meaning that then they can swing around and pretty much clear our zone. Is that how you see it? Probably. I guess my question back to you is, do you like the idea of the press, of what we are trying to achieve? Uh, because there's a lot of comments on the forum saying, why are we doing this? It's never going to work. We've got to scrap it now. You know, we've wasted the pre-season, da-da-da. Look, I'm, as you know, you know me well, I'm not the sort of guy that fears failure um, to get success. So I wouldn't actually argue uh, that I would be not doing it. I guess the problem is that for some reason... We're just not doing it very well. And uh, can, you know, have we, I don't know, it's, we've had the whole pre-season to work on it. We've had the trial games to work on it. Why is it now all of a sudden? I mean, it was working in the Richmond game. We looked crash hot. Yep. Um, so why is it all of a sudden, is it not working? Is it, I think Michael Voss came out and said that, you know, some of the, or Bassett came out and said the defenders are too deep. Um, they're not. They're not staying back enough. It's. It just seems really weird. But yeah, I'd, look. I think it all comes to... down to work rate. For me, it all comes down to midfield work rate. I mean, it's it's a double edged sword here. We're we're not only getting thrashed in the clearances. You know, we're seeing the opposition walk the ball out of the middle on a consistent basis. Mm. Um, the, the players just aren't working hard enough to get into their correct positions. Um. Maybe we are pushing too far up the field and, and that last line uh, of the uh, the offside trap, if you want to call it, is too far up the field. And, and I think maybe certainly it is. It could be sort of 15 to 20 metres back. Um, I think Janus has written a, a really fantastic few posts in, in one of the threads um, about the press um, on the forum. So I think that it's really well worth reading that. And look, I am a fan of the press. I think it's going to work wonders. I think it just needs time. I think um, you know we're currently two games into a new system, um, and it's all well and good to say that we we planned it all pre-season and we did. But there's nothing like actual games against proper opposition uh, to test these things out, to iron out the deficiencies in your game plan. And I've got no doubt that this is going to improve in the next couple of weeks, and we're not going to see these sorts of running goals as we did. Um, especially against St Kilda and, and maybe there was another sort of five or six against the Crows as well. Um, you know, And for me, it comes down to midfield work rate. I think the midfielders need to run harder. They need to get into position more. They're not pressing hard enough on the ball carrier. Um, mm. And they're just sort of jogging along, um, like yeah. it's a bit of a, a run in a park. So for me, I think that's where it's breaking down. I think if you fix that, because the thing with the press, you need that sort of high-octane sort of level of... Um, intensity to your game and we don't have that at all at the moment so do you think the midfields do you think the midfields a little bit injured or a little bit arrogant or a bit of both probably more on the oh i mean it's hard to say isn't it i think it's probably more on the arrogant side as opposed to injured i guess we'll talk about bokey in a moment but um 
I think they're setting up to win the taps that we're not winning. I think um, they're, they're not working hard enough to drop back when we need to drop back. Um, we're certainly not putting any sort of pressure on the ball carrier. That's a problem. Um, mm. So you need to fix those things to fix the press. You know, And I, I think we will in time. Yeah. And look, we, we've well, had quite a few comments. Um, all right, let's let's hear them. Let's let's see what we've got here. We've got Porsche that says, "Following this match, oh shit! Uh, following <laughs> this match was like the end of the usual suspects. With all the clues I mentioned flooding back, uh, you know, we look better on paper than we are. We might be in trouble if we get blown out early. Then Josh, uh, Josh Jenkins was Kaza Soze the whole time. Uh, Dylan has said, uh, first lesson the players would learn in media training is not to give ammo to the opposition, which I 100% agree with. Uh, In regards to the press, Ryan has said, the high press in both the forward line and the back line makes both the key backs and key forwards look horrendous, Uh, not to mention we've put our midfield under even more unneeded pressure. Uh, Porsche has said, the press is uh, problematic. We are starting it uh, with a traditional defence that is already well and truly in prime age. Um... So what was that one, sorry? uh, That we are starting the press with a traditional defence that is already well and truly in prime age. So that's old dogs, new tricks. We've got slow legs. Yeah. Which I guess we probably agree agree with. Uh, Defence probably isn't the quickest going around. No. So what do we do? Does that have to change? Are we a bit too top heavy? Does Jonas... Is Jonas now redundant with his spot in the side? Well, I like the analogy that someone posted up on the boards earlier today about West Coast created their web out of necessity um, because they lost all their tall defenders. However, the thing, the thing was too that, as we know, you know, I'm not telling anything new to people here, but our footy ovals are big ovals, right? So West Coast web, hypothetically, was really in their defensive section of the ground. It wasn't up forward. And we're trying to create this forward press in the forward section of the ground. And the, the problem is, that, as we all can see, that if it's not right, we're just getting smashed and exposed. Now, um, yeah, I mean, so that's the real difference between the web and, and our press. So, look, are we too top-heavy and slow? Well, maybe we need to set, um, you know, a couple of our faster players like... Uh, Jarman Impey and, and Jasper Pittard and Jarrah Pollock deeper in that last line of that zonal defence to try and stop um, those flanking runners that get through it getting an open shot of goal. Maybe we're maybe the problem is that we're leaving our taller defenders exposed at that last line. Yeah, that's one of the notes that I had is maybe we need to swap that that fullback and the halfback line around so that we do have Impey and maybe Pittard on that last line of defence. Um, yeah. As opposed to Carlisle and Trengo. Um, yeah. Which, which might help the situation. But yeah, so let's mm. get back to the game. I guess for me, the problem... Look, in the end, it was the old situation that we used to bring up on the forum time and time again, going back to the, uh, the latter sort of Choco era, where within five minutes, you just knew whether we were switched on and what the result would be. And... It really infested that sort of latter stage of Choco's reign, but you know, this is probably the first time we've really seen it in the last few years under Kenny Hinckley. I'm going to discount the Primus years completely because we were just horrendous all the time and we never looked like winning at any stage of, of that sort of era. But mm-hmm. as soon as they kicked their second goal, I thought we were done for the day. We looked tired, disinterested, 
not willing to work hard. Our setups were all over the place. And look, after all the talk about the Joe the Goose goals from round one, for them to kick a Joe the Goose goal for the first goal in round two, I had to have a bit of a chuckle about that. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's not very funny. I think, no, it's, I think it's not at all funny. Did you think we were switched on? From, did you have hope once the game started, or did you have well, concerns? Well? I was at a wedding, so ah. I, I was blocked out of the first quarter, but I, I could actually hear the cheers from the Botanical Gardens, which was bad for me because I knew sort of what was going on. But um, I was sort of having a sneaky peek at the stats and all that sort of stuff, and from the cheers and the stats, it actually looked like we were getting smashed from the get-go. But yeah. actually, I actually, when I watched the replay, I actually thought for the first 10 minutes, we weren't that bad and we were in the game. We had a couple of you know poor decisions or disposals, but you know the, we were getting a bit of the ball. And then, but then after that 10-minute mark, you know they got a couple of um, debatable free kicks, which sort of gave them a bit of momentum in, in addition to their own good play. And uh, and then it just stopped, and it fell fell to pieces. I mean, we got smashed, double the disposals in that first quarter. I mean, that's just not um, competitive at all. No. And uh, yeah, and it just sort of turned to poo and mush from there, unfortunately. Once again, the midfield's issue was that we just burned the ball too easily. Yeah. I mean, we should probably talk about our forward entries and, and how we're trying to move the ball up the field um, because it is pretty bloody bad at the moment. I've, I don't think I've ever seen us have worse entries inside 50 as we did on the weekend. It was just horrendous. Um, if, if we weren't sort of doing banana kicks inside 50, which no one's ever going to mark for a start, we were trying to kick it as high and long as possible. So the ball hung in the air for about 15 seconds before it came down, which allowed all the Crows players to drop back. Um, and Charlie Dixon just constantly had three or four players trying to spoil the boy. Uh, spoil the ball from him so I don't know what we're trying to do in regards to our um, forward entries I'm a little bit concerned about a comment that um, that Ken Hinckley made in a, a press conference a, a few um, weeks back where he said that he, he hoped that uh, the big key forward was going to come back in vogue and how you just sort of pop it on his head I think that's what we're trying to do and it's certainly not working at the moment I don't think I've seen Charlie Dixon lead for the bowl in two weeks uh, which yeah, I think is a bit of a problem. Look, I, I said in the preview show that I, I was hoping we might do a couple of long balls to Dicko, get him conscious on Dixon, and then after that um, we drop our eyes and, and try and deliver and hit on the chest and hit leading forwards. And uh, there was really, I, I can't remember, was there, did we actually try and hit a leading forward the whole, the, the whole game? Or did we, um, did we just bomber the whole time we had so much so little run and carry of the ball and it was just really even any possession out of a pack was just really kick it high and did no courage to actually take the game on which sort of segues into one of our prime ball carriers Jared Pollock which just looks bereft of any confidence whatsoever I don't know what was wrong with Jared on the weekend he just looked he looked soft he looked like he was unprepared to put his body on the line. Um, he was certainly not prepared to work hard enough. He provided no run, no carry. And it took him, I think he had what, one handball at halftime or something like that. 
for one of your prime movers and, and one of the players that can really sort of break the lines and, and go direct down the field and, and also deliver a pretty neat kick, uh, for him to be that bad was, uh, was pretty disastrous for us, I thought. Well, I didn't think he had a great game in the first game either. Um, it was I, I serviceable. he did his job. I thought he did his job in round one. But he, wasn't, he wasn't one of the best players, but he, he certainly did his job. He, look, I mean, I know he's coming back from a pretty severe injury, but you know, I'm thinking, I'm flashing back memories to 2014, where you know, all I think is this: he just cut a knife through butter, through packs, and just had great vision and just this, you know, ability to just you know, run and carry with the ball. And you know, I mean, he's running okay, so I don't know. He's just got no confidence. I mean. Maybe it's unfair on Jared to actually be starting him in the senior team um, until he's got a bit of confidence. Maybe he just... And it's not no offence to him as a player because he's a great player, but maybe he just needs to get confidence in his body at the SANFL level first and have a breakout game and then, uh, and then play for us because, yeah, he just doesn't look confident whatsoever. No, that's a very fair remark and I certainly agree with that. Um, Ryan's also made the comment of is there anything more painful than repeat inside 50s that literally rebound straight out again um, and this is uh, probably something we've spoken about before we, we started recording and it might be something that we can um, we can talk about now and look my what the hell moment for our game was the fact that we actually had 15 more inside 50s than the closing mm-hmm. we had 15 more inside 50s and we lost by 10 goals and that's one of the more staggering stats I've seen in a long, long time. And They scored from 62% of their forward entries. We scored from 44% from ours. We only had six marks inside 50 from 70 entries, which just isn't acceptable. And it, Again, it just comes down to the quality of the ball that we were actually sort of trying to send to our forwards just wasn't in any way going to be successful. No, and... I sort of uh, had this vague memory from last year where we went through this patch where we were winning games where we didn't have many inside 50s and we were losing the games where um, we were dominating the inside 50s. Now, I haven't had time to go through the stats and try and find how many games it was, but I, I know I remember through conversation it happened quite often. So I'm just wondering, when we play this long bowl style with high inside 50s um, returns, are we actually setting ourselves up for failure because the opposition are just, you know, loading back and outnumbering our forwards and then with our zone being a little bit dysfunctional, are able to clear the ball out too easily and uh, and getting those uh, Joe the Goose goals? As you uh, as you speak, when you know, whereas when you when we have the low possession count inside fifty, maybe we're playing a bit more of a possession game plan and and spotting up targets. Yeah, look, I think it's it's probably a fair comment. Again, I just think I don't know. I just don't know what we're trying to achieve because we did the same thing in round one. We just bombed it high and long and, and hoped that Dixon would would try and mark the ball. And I actually thought that was going to be a decent strategy in round one because of the the size difference between Dixon and and the rest of their uh, of St Kilda's um, key defenders in terms of height, um, mm. that probably wasn't that much of a going to be that bigger an issue for us uh, against the Crows because the Crows have, I think, a, a few sort of taller defenders. But um, I don't know. I mean, you, you just look at the way that Sam Gray sort of delivers the ball, and look, he's he's one of our prime clearance winners, and you just want him to use the ball better than just to blindly kick it as far as you can. 
Um, and, and that was a huge issue. Ollie Wines did the same thing when uh, when Bokey was sort of winning clearances. He was doing the same thing. I, I just don't know what we're trying to achieve, whether this is a, a coaching issue with our forward entries or whether the, the players are just maybe thinking they don't have the time to sort of settle um, and dispose of the ball a bit more efficiently than what they actually do. Yeah, I think the other comment was with our forward press, are we congesting the uh, forward line, not leaving enough space for our forwards? Not sure. I don't think so, because the forward press isn't actually in the forward line, it's actually through the midfield, so I don't think that's a concern at all. No. um, Yeah, and you look at the way we've been playing, I think we've actually sort of opened up the forward line quite a bit, Um, but we just don't have that quality of bowl, and, and really with... The open forward line that we've had, we should really have been seeing Charlie Dixon leading a lot more and running mm. at the ball um, as opposed to just sort of uh, wrestling in the goal square and trying to take a, a contested mark all the time. So what about the coaches? What about the coaches? What's going on there? What Are you, are you happy with the coaches? Is, uh, there, is there issues in coaching paradise? I've got to say I've been pretty lenient on Voss. I think it, I've had a sort of let's just wait and see how it goes sort of attitude towards him. Um, I don't think I've really said that much of a negative word about him since he came across. But look, this was an issue last year with our sort of um, stoppage strategy. It's an issue this year as well. Um, so is it coaching? Is Voss doing something wrong? Um, or do we just completely overrate the sort of midfield that we've got? Is it not good enough? Uh, to win these clearances? My my argument to that is that this same midfield, which was younger, uh, was very, very dominant in 2014 and very good in 2013. So we had Richardson in 13, Walsh in 14. Is that the right way around or the other way around? Whichever, it doesn't matter. Richo in 13, so we, Walsh in 14. Yep. Yeah, so we had Richo and then Walsh and... Uh, with a more immature midfield, and they were playing great guns. Now, those guys aren't there, and our midfield and our stoppages and our clearances around stoppages has gone to poop. Mm-hmm. Now, is it a coincidence? I don't know. I mean, is it Michael Voss? I don't know, but could be because, let's face it, his results at uh, Brisbane weren't that great either, were they? So... Um, you know, maybe he's one of those guys that's a great player, uh, but uh, has a bit of an inability to be able to impart his thinking into words to influence the players enough on game day. I don't know. But I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And how long... The thing is, we signed him to a four-year contract. So, you know, let's, let's hypothetically say he's a dud coach. How long do we persist with him? Do we go the four years? Well, you probably have to in the end. You can always move into a different line, so that's not. <laughs> I, I think that's, that. Uh, that's yeah, not that, the answer, though. <laughs> I don't think that's that big an issue, but I don't know. Maybe. Look, I, I did think we had a bit more of an advantage through the midfield in thirteen and fourteen, but look, our midfield still disappointed at stages through those years. We certainly weren't faultless through the Walsh era or the the Richo era as well. I remember games. In 2013, when we were eight or nine goals down at quarter time, because our midfield was just sort of inept in in winning clearances, and it's kind of the same now, and just without that that sort of extreme result um, that early in the game. But 
Um, I'm not sure. Was the, was the fitness advantage that we had in 2014 that stark? Um, mm. That sort of maybe sort of made our, made some of the other issues with our midfield look a bit better, sort of thing. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I uh, no, I I maintained last year that I thought it was really we were getting smashed in the coaching. I thought we were, our coaches were getting beaten, and um, yeah, this year, this year, I don't. I'm not going to say our, I think our coaches are being beaten, but I I think our players are beating themselves by not being able to implement what the coaches want. Well, what are the? Has anyone commented what they think? Is that? Do, is anyone supporting me that it could be Voss or the coaches or is everyone blaming the players? Well, Ryan has said that uh, surely the head coach pulls rank if the midfield coach is sputting it up. Uh, Bourne Porter said that uh, weren't the clearance is still an issue in 2014. Um, and Butters well, the- said that uh, we seem to lack composure across the entire ground. Uh, long kicks down the line to packs the entire game which is a very different uh, to the sharp, quick game style in 2014. And I have to say, the slingshot is no longer. It's dead. It's gone. Mm. We have no slingshot anymore. Sling, sling what? Exactly. <laughs> well, we don't, even, we don't even have a transition anymore. No, well, that's, yeah. that's kind of true. Um, I mean, you look at... We, I think, going back a few weeks, we were pretty impressed with how we played in the preseason and how we were sort of transitioning the football from defence to the forward line and... You know, it is very different to how we're playing now. I think, you know, we were moving it quite quickly in the preseason. We're not really doing that now. We're kicking to packs a lot more, and maybe think we think that that's the the style of game um, that the the limitation in interchanges is going to bring. But I don't think that's the case. Well, you know, it's funny. The the most enjoyable game I've watched from us this year so far is um, when we played Sydney with our young side and our young side ran on top of the ground and looked fresh as daisies. So maybe there is something in it. Maybe a lot of our more experienced hardened players are knackered. Maybe they can't run. Maybe. Or maybe we're just reading too much into it. Everyone's allowed a bad day every now and then. Maybe this was just our bad day for the year. Well, I'm not willing to drop off the bandwagon just yet because it's only two games in and we're one and one and one and there's a long way to go in the season. And as you pointed out earlier, there's there's teams that's had had average starts that have gone on to win the grand final. So, um, you know, for all the doom and gloom, I, I think it's way too early to put a, a, a line through our premiership credentials. Yes, it's not reassuring. I mean, the fact that the Bulldogs have been able to keep, and this is probably the worst or biggest indictment on us, is Bulldogs kept uh, St Kilda down to 36 points. Frio the week before down to 50-odd points. So, I mean, it shows one team that's been coached exceptionally well and uh, one that's got a lot of improvement. Yeah. Look, the Bulldogs look uh, pretty mean at the moment, but can they sustain that for the whole year? That's the question, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Well, look, I guess... Because we, second... we, we looked the same. In 2013, we looked exactly the same. We won the first five games or whatever it was, and we were yeah, we were bursting out of defence with our pace and, you know, all that sort of stuff, and you know, we ended up losing the next five games after that. So it's probably uh, a bit too early, I think, uh, for some people to sort of claim that the dogs are going to, you know, win the premiership and all that sort of stuff. We'll, we'll see how they're going in a couple of months' time. But um, I guess I want to talk about a few 
individuals. We've already spoken about Polek. I guess um, I want to talk about our captain, Travis Boak. He's been well below his best um, in the opening two rounds. Did you read any sort of hidden messages in Ken's um, press conference about Trav? Because he said that Trav would... It's not a direct quote, but he said something like, um, Trav would be insulted at the insinuation that he's not 100% fit. Do you read that to be that he is 100% fit or that he does have an injury cloud, but if you take the field, you have to act like you're 100% fit? Well, once you play, you're 100% fit, Mm. aren't you? No No one goes into a game injured, so we have to assume that he's 100% fit, which means... He ain't playing that good. Well, lots of players go into games with uh, with niggles and injuries and you know, players play through sort of certain injuries for the whole year, stuff like OP, and I know there's rumours going around that Trav has OP. And, you know, he has really sort of struggled to kick over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, he, the, the last two weeks have probably been two of the worst games he's played under Ken Hinckley. And, you know, I, I think there's a definite issue there. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but... Um, he looks slow. He looks like he's running in treacle. He's not having anywhere near the impact at stoppages as he normally does. He's not getting free. Um, and he's certainly not delivering the ball cleanly either. No. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, there has to be an injury. I mean, obviously, we know that um, they don't uh, really uh, expose injuries. But you'd have to think he's such a good player. And he's also, he's having limited time in the midfield, especially in the first week. I can't remember how much he did this week, but in, against St Kilda, there was limited midfield time. So is it the groin or is it the shoulder? I don't know. To me, he looks like he's struggling to kick. He's got no depth in his kicking. I, th- I think that's more of a, a lower body issue as opposed to a shoulder. Yeah, well, that would make sense. I mean, his tackling hasn't been ferocious either. So, um, yeah, it's well, it's only one time will tell. But like I said, if you're out on the if you're out on the ground, well then, um, yeah, it's um, you're fit and you should be performing. Look, we've, had, uh, we've had someone message in on Big Footy and, and ask a couple of questions. I think they're a couple of fair questions. Um, is Ken's yeah. game plan built on the belief that we can capture that extreme speed once again? Or is that misplaced? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think he's trying to play a long... My opinion, he's trying to play a longer ball game plan and um, yeah it's just um, not working yeah that's what I think it's like I said earlier I think it's just suiting the defensive sides and um, yeah I mean look at the disposals even the pre-season we we've been way outnumbered in our disposals so well I guess it's either a longer ball game plan or we're not having that link up run and carry play so it's either one of those two options are we trying to play? Are we trying to play June football in April? I don't think so. I think we've just marked this sort of game style as one that could potentially win us a premiership, and I do believe that. I think if we can sort this press out, it is certainly a game style that can win us a premiership because we do have pace. We we do know that our ball skills can be better than what um, 
what we've shown so far. If we can get the defensive side right through the midfield, um, I think we're going to look pretty mean. And I've got to say, I agree with Bourneport, who's messaged once again and said that if we beat Essendon, GWS and Geelong, the showdown's going to feel like a distant memory, which is very true. Of course it will, but um, I don't think we can take anything for granted. I mean, look, I'd still be confident with Essendon. Uh, you know, I mean, Melbourne did a, a Melbourne, but, um, yeah, it's just... We've got um, GWS. I mean, they beat Geelong in Canberra, but that's a bit of a graveyard for most travelling sides, isn't it? Um, but you just, they are getting better, so you know, and it is at their home ground. So let's not just go assume that we're going to go out and win that one. And uh, you know, Geelong have been pretty good against us in recent times. So you know, what we thought was a pretty easy draw, it's amazing with one average game win and one loss becomes okay. Well, this is a bit of a challenge now. A couple of other players that I want to talk about. Um, Jimmy Tumpers, his first game for the club. Um, what were your thoughts? Uh, underwhelming. Yep. Yeah, oh, I mean, look, it's a big game to come into, intimidating, but, um, yeah, I guess... Look, and he's got a long way to go, so I'm not going to judge him harshly, but him the height, which meant that he was to be recruited as a number four draft pick at this point in time. I thought he had blistering speed. Where is it? Well, I think the speed's gone with his hip issues, to be honest. I think um, that's, uh, that's sort of eroded his speed completely. And to be honest, for me, he looked like a shorter, slower version of Aaron Young. Yeah. Which is probably yeah, not, fair not, call. not that great a thing, but he did look like he was struggling to, uh, to move with any sort of pace. Um, I thought he kind of burned the ball a little bit, looked a little bit unsure when he was going um, at the ball. Um, very underwhelming and look I, I think he can perform better than that yeah and look it's too hard to judge him in one game I mean you can't it's same with Dougal Howard which I'm sure you're probably going to mention anyway but you, you can't um, you can't throw him into a showdown and then go oh they'll shit drop him never see him again no. um, you know I mean look they, they came in to replace um um Players and um, yeah, obviously uh, they haven't been able to hit those heights yet. But yeah, let's give them an opportunity and back them in. But I'm hoping that Jimmy can uh, can get there. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll perform better than that this week. Um, I think he's going to be pretty important to our, to our chances this year. So um, looking forward to seeing what he can do against the Bombers. Um, you mentioned Dougal. How did you see his work? I thought he had a, a bit of a poor first quarter, I guess, but I thought his defensive work was really, really good. Um, really mm. happy that he kicked a goal, and, and I thought his competitiveness uh, was a highlight when pretty much no one else was doing that. I, yep, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I thought he was competitive. I, uh, I thought he brought a lot to the table. And uh, he gave it a go. And again, well, I mean, he was one that you definitely can't judge after one game in a showdown. I mean, mm-hmm. in theory, he's not really even supposed to be playing for us yet. I mean, he's probably uh, he's still he probably still needs another year in the SA and a fell and build his body and uh, and develop. But I, I've loved what I've seen from him in the preseason. I thought he showed a bit in the in the showdown. Yes, he made some mistakes, but I mean, baptism of fire there. And uh, I still like him in the rut. Yeah, look, he won a couple of the, the cleanest sort of hit-outs of the day for any side, really. So, you know, he did, he did a, 
an, an admirable job in the ruck. I thought Lobie did a decent job as well. He he didn't get beaten by Jacobs. I thought. I thought um, he battled on manfully, and also again he sort of. I didn't think he really did much around the ground. Um, he did take a mark, so that was fantastic. Um, but I actually thought his um, his ruck work was was much better this week than it was in round one. Yes, I didn't think he got the bath that I was expecting him to have by Jacobs. So, um, yeah, I think some people were pretty critical of Lobie, but I, I actually thought he was serviceable. And you would have been impressed, Macca. Not only did he take a mark, he took a contested mark. He did. He did. Yeah. So, I'm happy what? I was sitting down. <laughs> would you have got lightheaded and fall, fallen over? It's possible I would have got a bit of vertigo or something like that and fallen over, so... Yeah, I guess Aaron Young's another one. He came into the side for uh, Hammer. Um, and you've got to say, he performed well above expectation. Turned up with 21 touches, a couple of marks, um, a few clearances and four goals. Um, he was one of our best players on the day. Well, second half, didn't he? But he uh, dominated for us, really. We're one of the only ones outside of... Uh, uh, Robbie Gray um, yeah I was quite happy good on him you know, he, um, it was probably his best game of AFL absolutely who ended up winning the showdown medal uh, Tom Lynch Tom Lynch yeah. really I gave up in the real world yeah he only kicked like six goals and destroyed us um, <laughs> yeah so, uh, probably fair I, I thought Laura, uh, Rory Led was better uh, I thought he really sort of set up their win from half back um, but yeah, let's let's not talk about them. <laughs> That's too depressing. Well, I, thought, I do have, well, I do have one was... question um, yeah. about Jarman Impey. Is he going to have um, sort of like cold shivers and uh, nightmares about Eddie Betts for the rest of his life? Well, it's almost scarring material, isn't it? He just killed. I, look, I really like Jarman Impey. I like his, um, I like his physical attributes. I love his speed. I think he's got. Really good skills, but I think defensively he is dumb. I think mm. when he's when he's playing on someone like Betts, he overcommits, he overruns the ball, he struggles to read the play, he's easily pushed off the ball, he constantly loses his opponent. Um, I, I don't think he's turning into the the real sort of shut down defender that we hoped he would be. Um, and look, I guess maybe he is still young. He's only in his what third season. Mm. Um, he is going to improve in that regard. Um, but I just don't see how you can play that way on Eddie Betts and expect to sort of get away with it. Well, who else was there? Look, they could have done it. Well, we tried Jonas on him for a little bit. We've played Jonas on him in the past. I mean, we could have put someone like um, like Pittard on him for a little bit cause considering he was getting spanked by Tom Lynch. Um, there were a few other options, but I think in terms of when you're playing someone like Eddie Betts, because he loves to sort of let the ball sort of trickle through his legs and do that really fast turnaround, you, you just can't overcommit like Jarman Impey does. Mm. Yeah, I guess he needs to go to school. And I guess this is where we missed Nathan Cracker, really, didn't we? Uh, yeah, a bit wiser. Yeah, he, he would good have been, disposal. Yeah, he would have been a smarter sort of player for Betts, I think, because he, he can play tight. And is that one player that we're actually missing at the moment? Yeah, because, I mean, we quickly um, um, intimated uh, that um, our disposal efficiency was poor across the board, but I think our top three 
um, possession winners were like 63% or something like that, and all the rest were even under. I mean, we're not going to win many games of football, and I guess part of that would be because of our long bomb to packed um, pack situations, but we need to improve it, and we need to improve it fast, and Nathan usually is the man, 100% accuracy coming out of defence, which sort of can springboard our um, attacking runs. Although we were disposing at about 55% for most of the game. I think it uh, went a little bit above that uh, near the end. But if you're turning the ball over um, half the time you get it, that's a bit of a problem. Absolutely. I mean, because what happens, your whole play is out of, out of position and then uh, rebounds and comes back. That's it. So is this, uh, is this a one-off, this sort of performance? Um, are you concerned? Can we bounce back against the Bombers? I think we'll win against the Bombers, but it's not a one-off because we played exactly the same against St Kilda. We made St Kilda look good, and as we saw this week, the Western Bulldogs made them look horrendous. So um, we're making poor to average sides look really good. So I don't think it's a one-off at all. Um, it's not slash the wrist territory just yet. Uh, we're a good side, and you know, on paper, we're a good side, and on paper, in the coaches' box, we've got a good coaching panel. So, you know, I think we just need to maintain the faith and just see how it comes out. Um, you know, after you know eight rounds, and then I think we'll we'll really know. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, if Schultz is out, still Hammers out, and. You know, well, Jonas didn't get reported in the end, which was a good thing. Um, but, you know, a couple more injuries, and I think we're really uh, going to be scraping the barrel of the depth. I thought our, our depth was okay, but I think that Ryder and Montfrey's um, suspension might hurt us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly be nice to have Ryder out there. Um, Absolutely. I'm not sure Monfries would have solved any of our issues at the moment, but certainly Ryder would have would have helped a little bit. Um, can you see us resolving our press issues? Is it when? going to be a success this year? When? This year. This year? Yeah. Uh, is it going to be a success this year? So I'm asking this question. Russell Lee, but Handball um, gave us a question earlier today. He said that uh, is round two 2016 the equivalent of round one 2000? Uh, for example, the in, in introduction of a new game plan and strategy, and which was an abject failure back in 2000 and, and took a year to sort of come good, uh, will it take a year to master this new one like it did back then? Uh, well, I hope can not. We, how... Can we afford that? How... How disappointed would we be? How, oh, can we afford it? Yeah, of course we can afford it. Um, you know, uh, but um, can, can we afford to finish fourteenth like we did in two thousand? Well, what are, what's the ramifications if we finish fourteenth? I think. Well, the, the supporters are going to drop off. Supporters will drop off. Money will drop off. Um, I don't think we'll get rid of Ken. There might be changes in the coaching box. Maybe it might lead to some bigger sort of player changes. Uh, you never know. But, um, yeah, I, I can't see us getting rid of Ken, considering we've um, updated his, his contract in pretty uh, recent times. Look, I'm still confident in Ken Hinckley. I, I, um, I think it's going to come good. I think we will get over our press issues. I think it is going to come good, and it will be a success. Will we win the Premiership this year? Uh, I still hold out hope. 
it's it's far too early to sort of say that uh, this is an absolute disaster. As we've said, you know, the Crows in 97, they looked um, pretty crap in the first month. Uh, Sydney did the same in 2005. Uh, Geelong did the same in 2007. Brisbane did the same in 2001. Everyone wrote off Brisbane. Um, even bloody Andy Demetrio said that Sydney will never win a premiership with the way that they play footy. And then, of course, they won the premiership the same year. Mm. It's far it's too not... early to, to say that it's uh, it's an absolute disaster. I, I think it will come good in time. Yeah. Well, how long do you think it's going to take? I think it might take another sort of four to six weeks to to get it working at its best. So I are, you hope, I are you hoping that we... Games. Yeah, I you're hoping we we'll fall over the line? And, well, I, I, think, uh, I think with our fixture in the opening sort of six to eight weeks, I think we can afford to, to do that. I think it might take a little bit of time, and I think we can still win those games. Look, I'll be absolutely shattered if we can't beat Essendon. I think we're definitely going to beat GWS. I think we're a very good chance to beat Geelong. I don't think their resurrection is... Um, is uh, well, I think their resurrection is being quite overplayed in the media. Um I can't remember who we're playing after that, but look, Richmond. That's, a, that's an Richmond. We should well look. We should be able to beat Richmond, surely. Brisbane at Adelaide, Carlton at Etihad, West Coast at Adelaide, Melbourne away, Collingwood at the G. Look, so I'm, that, still, I'm still confident we can be seven or eight wins out of that lot. To be honest. Well, we should be. I mean, I think that's what we were all expecting, weren't we? So, uh, and it comes back to what I said many years ago with you, Maka. Expectations. When we have expectations, it can lead to disappointment. It does. So, but if you don't have expectations, you're not living life. What about the expectation of this massive announcement we had a few weeks ago about... Something to do with our China deal. How massive was it? It looks pretty big at the moment. You like it? I do like it, yep. The, uh, this and documentary what? thing's going to be pretty interesting to see how that plays out and what that's all about. Um, the fact Cut, that we're getting a couple, a couple of games live is, uh, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I guess there's no sort of direct... Um, implication from that at the moment, but certainly if that continues, we should be able to see some sort of new income streams coming from that. I mean, what's amazing is that um, you know, China is such a big market that you know you, you get one percent of the people watch the show, and that's a mass volume of viewers. Um, you know, it's uh, by any standard of, of the imagination. So. It's, it's a very exciting opportunity. I mean, what's it going to convert? Well, we don't really know yet, but it is, it is opportunity. And, um, you know, if it does stick with a few viewers, and we're probably unlucky that our Chinese ambassador injured himself because I think if he was able to play throughout the whole season, I guess that would have really provided a lot of intrigue for, for the Chinese viewers to follow the game. But... Um, yeah, it's that's uh, a bit of a you know a bit of a downer for us, but look, it's yeah innovative, um, you know forward thinking, and I'm sure um, there's ten Victorian clubs which will be very very keen um, to ride the coattails um, of what Port Adelaide's doing and try and hijack our success, no doubt. Yeah, no, it's a big thing. It, uh, it could be absolutely massive. I don't know about this whole sort of turning Adelaide over red 
when we're playing the Bombers. Um, I think there's a bit of a mixed message there, but uh, apart from that, I think it's all good. So what's that? Apparently, they're going to turn Adelaide Oval red uh, on Friday night and against Geelong as well. Um, oh, are we? So, yeah. Geelong, Geelong. Because like, right. China's colours are red and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see how that works and exactly what that entails, whether it's just part of the electronic signage around the ground, in which case it won't be too bad. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll see how that works. I think um, red and teal are pretty complementary colours, so should be uh, should be interesting to see. Let's move yeah. on from that uh, disastrous game and talk about the AFL uh, the, around the grounds. Um, as we mentioned earlier, quite a few upsets and, and teams, uh, I guess, showing their true selves, I thought, this week. Yeah? What did you think? I thought uh, Richmond and Melbourne losing were both shocks, but uh, looking at recent history, probably shouldn't have been. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess the two big ones were Gold Coast beating Freo and Perth, which uh, I don't think many people would have ever predicted to happen. And uh, GWS getting over Geelong, who, are, again, as I said earlier, I think their resurrection um, has been pretty much overstated. I think uh, that the bottom end of their first 22 is still very light on in terms of talent. Um, mm. And they can't rely on uh, Dangerfield every week. No. Um, yeah, I think, gee, Gold Coast beating Frio, that's the. Uh, that and Essendon were the two big games for me. They were like the wow games. I mean, Essendon went, wow, how, how were they going to, you know, they were never going to win a game. And, and um, yeah, and also, um, yeah, Gold Coast. I mean, I can't even remember. Who they beat in round one? We yeah, beat, they beat Essendon. Essendon. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Sure. So I, I didn't even need to go there anyway. But yeah, I mean, look, Gold Coast is a really interesting one for me. And uh, yeah, and Melbourne. I mean, really, I don't know. Richmond, you sort of expected it. I was actually thinking Melbourne were going to be on the way up, and uh, maybe not. Mm. What about West Coast? West Coast, that was a good game. Hawthorne West Coast. I like that game. Yeah. Here's something outlandish. You know how all the talk has been about um, attacking and higher scores and that's what the AFL wants and all that sort of stuff? Would you agree with that? Yep. I think that's why, what Well, why do they have a for and against column in the percentage table? Why don't they just make it um, the four, a four table? So if it's equal points, it's the team that's scored more, that's ranked higher. Your ideas are intriguing to me, Rick. Yeah? Mm. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking that the, having a for and against component on the table is actually um, emphasising and reform, uh, rewarding the, the defensive aspect of our game and can create that anomaly where we've got uh, Western Bulldogs on top of percentage of 264 because their against is 74 and their four is 196. Uh, when Then you've got Sydney, four, 264, right? So if they're focused on wanting to, you know, reward attacking play, ditch the against column, just have the four column, so therefore teams are going to be more incentivised to attack because there's going to be a greater benefit. But what about the teams that don't have the talent to do that, but they have a very good defence? Well, it sucks to be them. 
<laughs> and let's and let's face it, they're probably not going to be in the top eight of the ladder anyway. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, you well that's what. Yeah, you, you have to look at Frio as an example of that. Well, maybe they'll learn to attack better. But they, they, might, they might look, at, instead of focusing on defence, how to try and minimise the opposition to be competitive, maybe they'll focus more on their offence and work out how to be offensively better to score higher. Um, so they're, they're getting that element uh, on the, rewarded on the ladder. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking outside the square here then. If, they wanna, if that's what they're looking to do, maybe that's one way to go. You're a wild man, Rick. I know, I'm right out there, man. Look, right out there. That's it. It was a double showdown weekend. Port took on Adelaide Reserves in Manham as well, and despite leading by 15 points uh, in the last quarter, um, Adelaide kicked the last seven goals of the match to win by 30. Uh, so it was a great weekend all around for Port Adelaide. Uh, Butch was significantly better this week. He kicked the Butch! Goals. We've had a few calls uh, yes. saying, let's talk about Butch. And, Butch! Uh, probably deserves it this week. He was fantastic. The Butch! Does he come in? Game? No, I didn't. Okay. I was, well, uh, he, he took a number of really strong grabs. He kicked four goals, really competed well, um, attacked the ball really hard. Um, yeah, complete 180 on his game last week. So why would he be so good this week and so average last week? It's all mental with, uh, with young Butch. Now, yeah. I think he also struggled with the, uh, the more defensive side of Nord last week. Yeah, it's um, yeah true, but I mean it's still not good for a twenty-four, twenty-five-year-old player to be so inconsistent in his uh, in his output. You'd think that he would be a little bit more consistent there, um, but I think it's a good thing. Yeah, you know? I mean at least he he's showing signs of improvement, I guess, and I'm not sure that's going to force him into the side this week. But uh, at least it's giving us some options in case we do get some more injuries. Yeah. Well, look, here's a question for you. Kane Mitchell had 39 touches, eight marks, six clearances, kicked a goal. Um, was arguably our best player. I didn't think so. I thought he was pretty wasteful, especially in the first half. Um, will we go there again? Will we see Kane coming in this week? I love Kane, and I would love him to be in this week. Because it would be awesome. Just I want to see the reaction on Big Footy if that happens. And I just want to see uh, Finbar spew his guts all over his keyboard. <laughs> because, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, um, yeah, it's just not good. I think he's gone. I don't think he's got a place in our side. But, um, yeah. I, anyway. I have a feeling we might see him at some stage this year. I don't think it'll be this week. But, look, if he gets 39 touches a week, I think they'll upgrade him and, and give him a game. But um, I guess the other good players, um, I was really impressed by Riley Bonner. He had 20 touches, um, looked really good down back. Um, Darcy Byrne-Jones, he only had 13 touches, kicked a goal. Uh, but I thought he was... Just about our best player. He, defensively, he was fantastic and really attacked the ball hard. Uh, Luke Reynolds was pretty good. And Sid Masters as well, um, running off the back flank uh, and through the back pocket. I thought he was great. Mm. Sid's been pretty consistent, hasn't he? Yes, he had a really good year last year um, and is certainly delivering again this year. There was talk that he might get a rookie spot um, at the end of last year. It didn't happen. Um, you never know what might happen this year. I mean, the worry is that 
really, would you be comfortable with any of those guys playing AFL football at this point in time? Um, I, I think I this would, is our problem. I would think Darcy Byrne Jones is ready. Um, in fact, I would almost even put him in this week, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Riley Bonin's going to get a go pretty soon, mm-hmm. um, especially if our defence is sort of struggling a little bit. So a bit more speed? A bit more speed. Um, that's probably about it, except for maybe Carl Amon. Um, I thought he was pretty solid again. Uh, I'd like mm-hmm. to see him get a go this week. Um, I think he deserves a spot in the side, adds a bit more pace and a bit more skill. Um, outside of that, I'm not too sure. I don't think Cam O'Shea was overly impressive. Uh, Jesse Bar- Palmer's still a little bit inconsistent. Uh, Cahoon, oh, I just don't know about Sammy. But yeah, I think there's two or three that could come in and do a bit of a job. Mm. It is, but yeah, it's it's a bit of an issue, I think. And uh, yeah, it worries me a little bit. But I, all it shows is I think Nathan Cracker has to come straight back into their side. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it just adds to the disappointment as, of what happened, doesn't it? Yeah, but he was innocent. It was proven that he was the innocent bystander. And it was proven that he put himself in that position in the first place, so... Yeah, but... Bad luck to him, really. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to have a social element to your life, aren't you? Well, when you're trying to resurrect your AFL career and you've uh, been lucky enough to be upgraded to the senior list a couple of weeks before that... I think you should pull your head in. Mm. Yeah, true. It is. I agree with what you're saying. He, he should be playing. He he could absolutely be playing this week. Yeah. And uh, we're we're worse for it, in my opinion. So hopefully he gets his shit together, recovers quickly, and uh, he's back straight away. He won. I know we're going to go. We're doing our extended show tonight, Macker and I are just going to talk for three hours on Port Adelaide <laughs> and, um, but one, one other question I had for you Macker, mm. so let's say hypothetically we get a run on and we make the finals right, now Paddy Ryder and Angus Mumfries their, ex- their suspension finishes at the end of round 23 would you pick first week of finals uh a Paddy Ryder from the wilderness to play. Are you sure their suspension runs out in? Well, that's what I that's what I read. Or or are they allowed to start training again at that time? Well, if they're allowed to if they're allowed to start training again, surely they'd be allowed to play. No, because they're allowed to train like six to eight weeks before they're allowed to play again. Oh, is it? Well, I thought that the suspension ended at the end of round twenty three. So I don't know, but if if that was the case, maybe maybe someone who's still listening, who we haven't put to sleep, if they know the answer, can tell us. But so if that was the case, round twenty three, he was eligible to play first week of finals. Would you pick him? Oh. And I reckon it is that's eligible. A, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough because one. I reckon it's I reckon it's backdated. I reckon it's backdated, and we missed out on the finals last year. Mm. You wouldn't do it. Probably not. Is a thirty percent? What what you wouldn't want to happen is for us to play um, Paddy Ryder and he does his hamstring or something in the first ten minutes because he hasn't played a game for twelve months. But is a thirty percent fit Matty Ryder better than more influential than a hundred percent fit Matthew Lowe? No. Fifty percent? No. 
70. Maybe. <laughs> it's an interesting question. I, I'd like to hear people's uh, thoughts on the forum. Look, he... Ryan has said that he's only eligible to start training again at that time. Right. Well, there you go. My question is redundant. Yes. All right, hey. well, look, let's leave it there for tonight. It's been a long one. Really? I thought we were going for hours. Onwards and upwards. Onwards. Have faith that we can turn it around. Yes, I think we as a supporter group need to keep stick fat and it will turn. We have a bloody good side, so I think that's the frustrating part, isn't it? We have a, we have a good side. It's not like we've got a Carlton list or an Essendon list and, uh, you know, we've got good players. I mean, even Chad was down on the weekend, so, and he never plays two bad games unless he's got a pulled hamstring. So uh, hopefully we come out, get some confidence and smash Essendon. I, I think that's all we need. We just need to see some anger. Some anger? I thought we saw anger. Hostility. I want to see some hostility. I thought we saw that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening live. Um, Live. If you want to give us a rating on uh, on iTunes, that would be really handy. Yes. Help us uh, sort of bump us up a little bit. um, Can I I just... Port Fan Radio into the uh, the eyes of um, and ears of of more Port supporters. Can I just say that... That it's an awesome thing to bring up and the Port Game Day podcast brought it up a couple of weeks ago but uh, after they mentioned it I had a look and there's a just an AFL podcast and they, they've got 85 likes and because of their all reviews and because of that they're in the featured list of iTunes so you know we've got we've got thousands of people that download and listen to the show and we've got heaps of listening live if you can just make the effort to to log into iTunes, that'd be greatly appreciated because I reckon we surely we can get 100 reviews and then from that, that's right, it'll get us into iTunes and get us more exposure and uh, and then uh, and then hopefully we can get a bit more uh, kudos and more players and all that sort of stuff to come on the show. Absolutely. All right. Until next time. Go the Butch! Gets the ball across towards a teammate. Ritz hand pass though, slapped, and now needs away. Everything falling into place. Need the beneficiary running down towards the 50. Lines up, vacant goal square. How about this? This is breathtaking.